1: presented by Progressive, making it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Brought to you by Subway, the official training restaurant of the Cleveland Indians. By the University of Akron, visit areyououtthere.com.
2: Hi everyone. Welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland, one of our last hot stove editions of Tribe Talk from here in Cleveland before our location will shift to Goodyear, Arizona. The players will get there on Sunday. Pitchers and catchers reporting. They'll start workouts this week. Position players arriving later on in the week, and full-scale spring training just about a week away, but uh, officially It begins with pitchers and catchers reporting on Sunday. So uh, good stuff coming as the Indians highly anticipating the 2017 season. Coming up on this week's show, we'll hear from Indians president of baseball operations, Chris Antonetti, about the signing of left-handed relief pitcher Boone Logan. Another piece to the puzzle as the Indians try and fill out and complement what already is a very strong roster. We will also visit with Sandy Alomar Jr. and talk about the return of the All-Star game to Cleveland. It's coming in 2019 to Progressive Field for the first time since 1997 and Sandy says the memories of that year when he was the most valuable player of that year's All-Star game could not be better.
3: But it it was a great memory for our family, for ourselves, for the city of Cleveland. I had the chance to win that game, and I did. Uh, but the cherry on top of that was, I can tell everybody, is having my son coming to the field and enjoy that trophy with me, that's the best memory I had in baseball, even though it wasn't an exhibition game because my kid was there.
2: Also coming up on this week's show, the last Of our looks back at 2016, our Game of the Week segment returns. Game one of the World Series from 2016. It was played right here in this ballpark between the Indians and Cubs. Man, does anything
1: sound much better than game one of the World Series?
4: You know, Hammy, I think why it sounds like a big deal is because it is a big (laughs) deal. And I know I got here this morning about 10.30. This game can't start fast enough. And once you get into it, it'll be baseball. But my goodness, I can't wait to get this thing going. I know everybody feels the same way.
2: So, a lot to get to on this week's show. You stay with us as we'll have Tribe Talk coming your way next, right here on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. welcome back to tribe talk jim rosenhouse back with you this weekend from progressive field in downtown cleveland and as the indians prepare to begin spring training this weekend with pitchers and catchers reporting to goodyear arizona the tribe front office continues to make moves to bolster this ball club in areas where they see some opportunities and that again took place earlier this week when the indians signed left-handed relief pitcher boone logan to complement their bullpen and what a a real strong acquisition this could be is Logan's a veteran lefty who will fit in nicely along with Andrew Miller giving the Indians a pair of left-handers. Logan's 32 started pitching in the major leagues back in 2006 with the White Sox. He has also appeared in the major leagues with the Braves, Yankees, and the past three seasons with the Rockies. He has always been extremely durable with high appearance numbers throughout his career and certainly the Indians very glad to add him to what has been a very good bullpen the past couple of seasons. Chris Antonetti, Indians president of baseball operations, talks about the acquisition of left-handed pitcher Boone Logan.
0: All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks, everyone, for being on the call. Uh, today we officially uh, finalized terms with Boone Logan on a one-year contract with a club option for a second year. Um, and then as a corresponding move, we've also designated Austin Adams uh, for assignment to create room on the 40man roster. So I'll, I'll go into a, maybe just a few general comments on Boone and then turn it over for uh, to questions. So as we started out the offseason, one of the things that we sought to do was uh, find some balance to our bullpen and specifically from the left side. And we feel Boone is a perfect complement to our team. He's an established veteran left-handed pitcher that's been very effective at getting left-handed hitters out. And we think it'll provide Tito another option. Later in games to match up against some of the toughest left-handed hitters in our division and, and within the league. And with that, I'll open up to questions.
5: Hey Chris, just how important is? I mean, Tito talks so much about um, you know his ideal bullpen is to have you know a second lefty in there. But the, how important is it to make sure that it's a fit, not to not to have a lefty just to, just for the sake of having a second one?
0: That's a great point, Jordan. I think what we tried to do is. Um, Find the right guy to complement our bullpen. As we we said at the beginning, we weren't just going to sign a guy because he was a left-handed. In fact, we wanted to try to identify pitchers that we thought we could help us, or we thought could help us. And Boone, we feel is that guy. He, you know, he's a guy that again has been very effective at getting left-handed hitters out, and we think he'll complement the rest of the guys we have and give Tito another option against the tough left-handed hitters.
5: Chris, was this a stretch payroll-wise? I mean, you kind of.
0: Absolutely. You know, with
5: Incarnacion, you went out, and now you go out a little fired.
0: It, it continues to be a, 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 a significant stretch by our ownership, and I think they've demonstrated over the course of the off offseason uh, incredible support and belief in our team by ex- extending far beyond where we thought we potentially could go payroll-wise. Uh, first with signing Edwin and addressing one of our primary needs on the offensive side, and then... Being able to, to sign uh, uh, Boone, which addresses one of our primary pitching needs, it demonstrates their continued support.
5: Chris, right, so, and you know, A, how pleased are you that you were able to address the the needs that you had this winter? And, I guess, B, do you think you would have been able to address them the way you would have hoped to without that on- ownership uh, sort of, like you said, that leap of faith that they have taken?
0: Uh, I think, Jordan, the best way maybe for me to answer that would be the, at the start of the offseason as we identified our needs and lo- looked through all of the alternatives. Um, you know, you have certain preferences and guys that you think would be good targets and good uh, fits for your team. And at the start of the offseason, I didn't think that we'd have any opportunity to sign either uh, Edwin or Boone, let alone both of them, given how well they performed and the markets we expected them to command. And, and then also with where we expected our payroll parameters to be. But because of that incredible leap of faith with ownership, we were able to acquire two of our very top targets at our primary needs.
5: Chris, what do you think of the depth of arms that you have? Just uh, It's kind of like a wide mix of arms for that essentially last bullpen spot this spring. Just What do you think of that assortment of guys you have in the running for that job?
0: We feel we have a lot of quality alternatives to both compete for the remaining bullpen spot or spots, and then, as we all know, it's exceedingly important for us to have very good depth options uh, that we can turn to throughout the course of the year because we know that there will uh, be some evolution and some turnover in our bullpen throughout the course of the season, and we need to be prepared to, to weather that. And we feel we have a really good group of guys that could support us not only for the opening day roster, but for the balance of the season. think you're done now, Chris? Or... That's a, I'll probably answer that question the same way, pointy all the time, is that, you know, <laughs> we're – our jobs are never done in respect of looking at the composition of the team. We'll always continue to look for opportunities to improve. But that said, I think we feel really good about the group of guys that we have heading into spring training. What did I tell you, Macy? Um, you know, we're we're excited a, uh, to see them come together as a team and square. take shape and build their own identity and then go out and compete from day one.
5: Chris, just, what's your level of <laughs> eagerness <laughs> or anticipation of getting <laughs> to spring and kind of getting this uh, thing started again?
0: I'm really excited to get out to, to Goodyear and, and, again, see this group of guys come together. And It's a new year. It's a fresh year, but we believe we've got a, a really good mix of guys and uh, has a chance to be a very good team. Now, you know, that, that doesn't mean it's just going to happen, though. I think we all have a profound appreciation for how hard it is to win and how hard it is to build a successful team and that you know, a lot of things go into that success, and it's not just going to be a question of us just showing up and going out there. Uh, but it's really the work yeah, that we put in no from kidding. day one. And, 30, uh, I think that we've important. got the right group of guys and the right leadership in yeah. Tito and our coaching staff to set that tone Please. and begin that work in earnest uh, uh, when we're out in Goodyear. I haven't read it yet. Uh, oh, she's
5: not? Uh, on a, uh, the other transaction you did with William Opeña, just the, the pure minor league deal, can you just talk a little bit about how that came together? Mm-hmm.
0: Sure. So um, I think at the time we signed Edwin, he had noted that he was working out with a handful right. of players in the Dominican Republic well, and right, right. Uh, asked us to go That's and right. take well, a look and, and, and scout a cool. uh, handful cool. of players yeah, there. And from that yeah, workout, we, we yeah. agreed to terms with Willie cool. Mo Payne and in the process of working through signing a, another reliever from that workout. And both guys will be invited yeah. to minor league spring training, and you know we'll get a chance to yeah. see them right. um, compete in spring training right. and then see where things go from there. Cool.
5: Did did the reliever, has he got big league experience?
0: Chris yes, Lee? he does have some big league experience.
5: Could you tell us his name? I can tell you
0: he's left handed. So now you can go through all of the <laughs> <laughs> unsigned left handed relievers that have major league experience. That may have been pitching in the Dominican Republic. This <laughs> is a
5: Chris, uh, is there anything new in where Brantley's at in his progression?
0: Yeah. Nothing new, Jordan, at this point. He continues okay. to progress really well. He's been out in Goodyear for the last uh, seven or eight days since uh, Tribe Fest, and you? continues with his hitting progression. Um,
5: is it still just T-work two, or is he up to soft toss? or? Six, four,
0: uh, he's seven. still uh, at the end stages of his T-work. Okay. Thank you. But he's hey. increased both his intensity Did and his really volume know? of that um, work. We are in the process of filing for NHLC. Gotcha. Thanks
2: for the time, guys. <laughs> That's Indians president of baseball operations, Chris Antonetti, talking about Boone, Logan, and I guarantee you that Chris and the rest of the front office, general manager Mike Chernoff, they are still searching for other pieces to the puzzle to complement this team that expects to contend again in 2017. Stay with us. When we come back, we'll have a special visit with Sandy Alomar, Jr. Talk All-Star Game. The Indians will host the game in 2019. Sandy... Was the MVP back in 97, the last time it was here in Cleveland. And we'll have his thoughts on the All-Star Game returning after this timeout on the Indians Radio Network. <music> Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field, the site of the 2019 All-Star Game. And that was announced a couple of weeks back now, but we haven't had a chance to play our interview with Sandy Alomar, Jr., the Indians' first base coach who was the hero for the American League the last time the All-Star Game was played here in Cleveland back in 1997. His late-game home run gave the American League the win that year, and it also gave Sandy Alomar most valuable player honors in the Midsummer Classic. And when we talk to Sandy about the All-Star Game returning to Cleveland a couple of years hence, He said it's exciting, especially considering his past history of the game in this ballpark progressive field.
3: It's very exciting because that All-Star Game venue brings a lot of growth to the city, not just baseball in general. And kids have a chance to see the All-Stars come to the ballpark, see the All-Star home run contest here. And and, uh, as a player, you know, when you are in, uh, in the team, if you're able, I mean, there's an extra motivation for you to to get it done. Hopefully you get selected to the All-Star game. If you have a chance to play in the All-Star game and you have the opportunity uh, to perform, just make sure you focus. <laughs> but it was it was a great memory for our family, for ourselves, for the city of Cleveland. had the chance to win that game, and I did. Uh, but the cherry on top of that was, I can tell everybody, is having my son come into the field and enjoy that trophy with me. That's the best memory I had in baseball, even though it wasn't an exhibition game because my kid was there.
2: The home run aside, when you knew that you were going to the game and it was in Cleveland, uh, what was it like considering how well the, the team was playing and, and how many stars there were that, that you could be a part of, of this big game for baseball in 97? Well,
3: I, I know that I was having a good year to the All-Star break. I knew that I was uh, a candidate to be uh, – I know that Paul Rodriguez was going to be the starting catcher. I didn't know if I was going to be selected by the manager. So Joe Torres selected me at the, at the backup catcher for the, for Pudge Rodriguez, and uh, just being a part of it in your own ballpark, you only get that chance once in your lifetime. So I was just excited. I didn't, I didn't, never anticipated that I was going to come up in, in a big part of the game with a game on the line, and uh, that was even like a like a story you know, a story of of your life that like you're going to have the chance in your own ballpark to win the game and then hitting the home run. But I remember my first two swings were too big. I was too, too anxious because I had my home crown behind me, and I had to step out of the bus and say, man, you got to relax here. This is, this is where you play. This is your background. And I was able to relax and, you know, get a good pitch to hit and hit it out.
2: Do you have any recollection of what you were thinking when you were circling the bases after this home run that most likely was going to win the game? You don't know for sure at the time, but most likely.
3: Well, I was, I was thanking God for giving me the opportunity, and uh, I just had to tell you that I don't know if you noticed in the pictures in the all-star I had a black ribbon in my chest. That's because my grandmother just passed away like four days before that, and we were going to go to the funeral. My mom said, "You got, you got, you got a big duty to do. Just we take care of this over here." and in her memory, I was I was running the bases, thinking about her the whole way.
2: You get back to the dugout, and it's not like the regular season when your team is there to greet you after a big home run. It's a different kind of team. What was the reception like in the dugout from from some of the best players in the
3: game? It was incredible. It was like they were my teammates for the entire year. The way they came out, because they knew the occasion and they knew the situation. How I was how I was the home guy, and and, it, and we had the, the the fan, the Cleveland fans behind. So they all came in like they were my team. Everybody came in and and gave me a hug. That
2: time in Cleveland baseball history was just a tremendous time, the sellouts, everything that goes along with it, appearances in the World Series. This team now is starting to build it up again. Uh, What can it mean for the city and the team because it's all coming together at the same time, seemingly very similar?
3: It's very important for us to continue this momentum uh, because now – the fan base is gaining momentum, man, and we're gaining more credibility as a team. Uh, the Dolans, the organization, is investing more on the team because they know that uh, the product is there, so they get the pieces, the necessary pieces to get us over that hump. And uh, it's very exciting right now that you see, you know, a key free agent. You know, choosing the Indians. I mean, some, you know, it doesn't matter the amount of money you offer people, but the fact is you got you, you to come and want to play here. And Cleveland, the city of Cleveland requires special people to play. And you know, I was so, so happy and content to have to play with so many special players in the history of the game. Uh, we, I think we're moving forward towards that direction.
2: And you mentioned that, and, and I think for the players on this team, they hadn't seen that until this past fall. Uh, were you able to convey to them what, what the mid-'90s were like and how maybe this was somewhat similar, at least for that point <laughs> in time in the postseason?
3: What I convey to these guys is uh, you got to get your own legacy because those guys, I think, are a little tired here about the 90s. So, like, uh, I don't have to convey to these guys anything because they already know everybody brings it up. It's out there in the social media. It's on the scoreboard. And uh, they understand how big we were. They talk about it all the time. Man, you guys were a phenomenal team. I said, yeah, you know, as good as we were, we couldn't finish the World Series. So it's your opportunity right here to take all that and claim it. And uh, I think we're heading that direction.
2: Because of the success they had, do you think maybe they're – maybe they look at your time in the, in the 90s a little bit differently more positively now but I know you said that sometimes they get tired of hearing it, but now that they've enjoyed some of that success a little bit yeah. easier to look at it. These
3: guys are excited, man this guy and you know what I care about is like uh, they're how they prepared they prepare themselves to play and to win and they know what's at stake and they know what the city needs. So you know they're wearing it they're wearing it out there they go out there without a pride and trying to win it. so like uh, I think this team is prepared to, to move to the next level. Sandy, thanks. Thank you.
2: Always fun to catch up with Sandy Alomar, Jr., the Indians' first base coach, but, uh, boy, as much a part of of recent Indians history as anybody, as he had an outstanding playing career for the Tribe and certainly a highlight for him that 97 season, not only the most valuable player at the All-Star game played at then Jacobs Field, now Progressive Field, but uh, just some tremendously big Hits in the postseason that year for the tribe when they went to the World Series and uh, eventually lost to the Marlins. But what a postseason that was for both Alomar and the Cleveland Indians! So good to catch up with Sandy. And when we come back, we will have our final hot stove edition of the game of the week. Our final look back at last season before we turn the page and start focusing on 2017. Game one of the 2016 world series it was a good one for tribe fans right here at progressive field and we'll fill you in on everything good that happened that night for the indians when we return after this on the indians radio network welcome back to tribe talk jim rosenhouse back with you from progressive field in downtown cleveland and this weekend Our thoughts turn west to Goodyear, Arizona. Indians pitchers and catchers reporting for the start of spring training. That gets underway on Sunday. Workouts beginning early next week. Full squad reporting later in the week and their first full squad workout beginning next weekend. So things progressing quickly here as we get ready for the 2017 season. This being the final show, before pitchers and catchers report on our Hot Stove editions of Tribe Talk. That means our last of our looks back at 2016 and our Game of the Week segment. And this week, we will finish things up with Game 1 of the 2016 World Series. And yes, the Indians in the World Series for the first time since 1997, trying to win their first World Series since 1948, And they took on the Chicago Cubs, the team with the best record in all of baseball, 103 victories in the regular season. They won the National League Central, defeated the Giants in the National League Division Series, and then outlasted the Dodgers in a six-game National League Championship Series to advance to the Fall Classic. Now, the Indians, by virtue of the American League's victory in the All-Star Game, had home field advantage in this year's World Series. They had a 94-67 record. That was second best in the American League. They won the American League Central Division, then swept the Red Sox in the Division Series before defeating the Blue Jays in the American League Championship Series four games to one. So the scene was set at Progressive Field for Game 1 of the World Series and pregame, Tom Hamilton checked in with Tribe Manager Terry Francona. They talked about opening up here in Cleveland at Progressive Field. And also, they touched on some of the challenges that
1: a very good Cubs team poses to the Indians. I know Tito is a manager. You've been here twice before. But we always talk about the opener always being such a big deal. Man, does anything sound much better than Game 1 of the World Series?
4: You know, Hammy, I think why it sounds like a big deal is because it is a big deal. (laughs) And I know I got here this morning about 10.30. This game can't start fast enough. And once you get into it, it'll be baseball. But, my goodness, I can't wait to get this thing going. I know everybody feels the same way.
1: You know what, Tito, sometimes you get to this stage, and based on who got hot in October is who gets to the World Series. But the Cubs won 103 games in the regular season. Obviously, they're here for the World Series. Are they the best team the Indians have faced?
4: Yeah, I think I think overall they are. I don't think you can win 103 games and have a weakness. I mean, over the course of the year, and we've seen it over and over, teams get beat up. You know, they, They've always had an answer for whatever has been thrown at them, and every team gets stuff thrown at them. But to win 103 games, that's pretty impressive.
1: What concerns you the most about their ball club?
4: Oh, man. I mean, they're well-rounded. I mean, you can start with their starting pitching. They're dominant. They catch the ball extremely well. They can hit the ball to the ballpark. They have some speed. And they have a closer a lot like ours that can kind of overpower you. So, no, they're, they're a really complete team. We're going to have to play very well. We know that.
2: So that's Tom and Tito with their nightly visit. And this one's prior to game one of the 2016 World Series, featuring a pitching matchup of John Lester for the Cubs, a 19-game winner, and Corey Kluber, an 18-game winner for the Indians during the regular season. A couple of playoff wins for Kluber as well heading into the World Series. And in the very first inning, pretty good inning for Corey Kluber.
1: Corey Kluber gets the sign from Roberto Perez. Now the wind and the 2-2. Strike three. Call. Locked him up with a fastball. And that's how the 2016 World Series begins. Off the shores of Lake Erie. As Corey Kluber strikes out Dexter Fowler looking. Full count on Bryant. Kluber into the wind. Here it comes. And strike three. Call. Bryant was almost halfway to first. And he took it knee-high for strikeout number two. And the first two Cubs are out looking. The pitch. Swung on, popped him up. Third baseman, Jose Ramirez, midway between second and third, makes the catch. Corey Kluber has a 1-2-3 inning, striking out a pair. And after a half an inning, in game one of the World Series, it's the Chicago Cubs nothing. And the Cleveland Indians coming to bat. Bottom of the first, Indians
2: struck early after John Lester recorded two quick outs to start the inning. Francisco Lindor singled, then he stole second. Lester would walk Mike Napoli and Carlos Santana to load him up for Jose Ramirez.
1: Lester again sets. He delivers. Swung on a dribbler, slowly hit down the third baseline. It's going to be an RBI single. Jose Ramirez may have hit that ball 35 feet. A swinging bunt single down the third baseline. Chris Bryan had no play when he picked it up. And the Indians have grabbed the lead in game one of the World Series. All of this with two outs and nobody on. And Jose Ramirez has put the Tribe on top one to Nothing. So the Indians grabbed the
2: initial lead, and the very next hitter was Brandon Geyer, again with the bases loaded, and he did what he does better than anybody in the game.
1: Lester's ready, and the two-strike pitch. Inside, he hit him again! And the Indians take a 2-0 lead. Geyer led all of Major League Baseball in being hit by pitches. Lester tried to jam him with a cut fastball on an 0-2 count. And Geyer never gives in. And the Indians have a 2-0 lead. Geyer hit by the pitch.
2: So an unusual way to score a pair of runs, but the Indians had the early lead in game one of the World Series. And meanwhile, Kluber was dominant early with an impressive second inning.
1: Kluber taking plenty of time between pitches. Now he's ready, the payoff. Strike three called. He locked them up on another fastball. Kluber has struck out the side after the leadoff double. He has struck out five and four have been looking.
2: Then in the bottom half of the fourth inning, Roberto Perez extended the tribe lead. Here's the 0-1. Swung on and there's a high fly ball deep left field. Does it have enough? That ball is gone home run Perez he doesn't know it yet but the umpire down the left field line Tony Randazzo says so and now the home run trot and the Indians are in front three nothing a screaming line drive off the bat of Roberto Perez and it hit the railing just above the yellow line at the top of the 19-foot high wall in left Meanwhile, Kluber was still rolling as he was piling up the strikeouts into the fifth inning. The 0-2 pitch. Called strike three on the inside corner. Coglin caught looking. A second straight plate appearance. Strikeout number nine for Corey Kluber. And in the sixth, Kluber kept it rolling with the Tribe still leading 3-0.
1: Kluber, nine strikeouts, no walks. Rizzo, 32 homers, 109 RBIs this year. The pitch, he pops it up by the pitcher's mound. Perez, between the mound and home plate, the catcher makes the catch. How about that? That's a fair ball. Not an easy pop foul between the mound and home plate. But Roberto Perez does his job, and Corey Kluber continues to be sensational.
2: In the top half of the seventh inning, Corey Kluber would give up a leadoff single to Ben Zobrist, and Terry Francona would see enough from his starter. Certainly a great appearance by Kluber, but when you have the opportunity to bring on Andrew Miller, that's exactly what Terry Francona did. Meanwhile, Kluber's final line, six innings, no runs, four hits, and nine strikeouts. The Cubs loaded the bases with nobody out, but Miller would dig deep once again and somehow... Escape with no damage done.
1: The Indians now with a 3-0 lead, but one swing of the bat could certainly change the complexion of this game. The 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss on a slider. There was that back foot slider. And Miller strikes out Russell. Two down, bases still loaded. I'll tell you what. If Andrew Miller gets out of, bases loaded... Nobody out. He will never buy another meal in the city of Cleveland for the rest of his life. Miller's ready. The payoff pitch. Swing and a miss. Did he go around? Yes, he did. Got him on a slider. Tried to check his swing. A back foot slider. Got him again. How about Andrew Miller? Bases loaded. Nobody out. A shallow fly-out and back-to-back strikeouts. What a job by Miller.
2: Then in the bottom half of the eighth inning, Indians batting with a 3 nothing lead. Roberto Perez came through and put the finishing touches on this one.
1: Now the 2-2. Swung on and blasted. Deep left field. Away, back, gone. Wow, what a game for Perez. Roberto Perez in his first World Series game. Two home runs, four RBIs, and a mob scene in the third base dugout. Cleveland six, Chicago nothing.
2: And in the ninth, it was Indians closer Cody Allen
1: slamming the door. The look at second, Allen's pitch, swing and a miss, ball game. And the Indians have won game one of the 2016 World Series. They blanked the Chicago Cubs six to nothing. And for the Indians, they have pitched their fourth shutout in this 2016 postseason. So the
2: Tribe had won Game One of the 2016 Fall Classic six nothing over the Cubs. Kluber with his third postseason win. And after the game, Corey Kluber joined us on Indians Warm Up and talked about how he was able to control his emotions to get the job done in impressive fashion in Game One.
6: Well, I mean, it was definitely exciting. Uh, it, was a, it was a great atmosphere last night. Uh, the fans were awesome. And but yeah, you know, once you once you get out there and the, and the game starts. Um, you know, it, it sounds simple, but it really just, you know, you you, go, you kind of fall back to what you're comfortable with, and it's just, you know, going out there and playing baseball.
2: I know when you faced American League teams in the past, or teams in the division especially, you say there's, there's really no secrets out there. It's a matter of executing. A little bit different with, with a National League team that doesn't see you as much?
6: Maybe a little bit, but I don't really feel like there's there's still any secrets. I mean, I, I know that we, we haven't faced each other a lot head-to-head, but I think that, you know, just with all the resources that are scouting wise i think that they're probably pretty comfortable with what my game plan is going to be and i know what they like to do and it's it i mean it, and, and ultimately it, it still comes down to you know who's going to execute when you leave a game and it's still hanging in the balance to some
2: extent and you turn it over to a bullpen that now is is just going through a tremendous
6: stretch what type of feeling is that for you to look back and, and watch the rest of the game yeah our our bullpen's been been unbelievable for for a while now and i think that uh you know it it's it's a comforting feeling for sure knowing that the, that the guys that are they're coming in at the back end of the game or are, are doing their job you know as well as anybody is right now and i think that you know we, we obviously have a lot of confidence in them they have a lot of confidence in themselves right now and you know that's kind of, that's kind of our our game plan is, is to get the ball to them with the lead all part of a tribe win in game one of the fall classic cory kluber thanks for coming by thank you Also, the
2: tribe manager, Terry Francona, talked with Tom Hamilton about just how excited he was for Corey Kluber to be getting some well-deserved recognition on the biggest of all stages.
4: Well, I mean, we've seen him really good a lot, but I thought last night was... The the circumstances mean that, you know, when you pitch a game like that in the World Series people are going to remember it, as they should. But he's been doing that for a while now. Just Again, it's a national stage as opposed to a local one, so everybody's seeing
2: what we've been seeing. So that's your look back at this week's Game of the Week from 2016, the Indians' Game 1 victory over the Chicago Cubs in the 2016 world series and that's going to to put a lid as well on our looks back at 2016 because you know what we are ready to turn the page and get ready for what promises to be an exciting 2017 season with pitchers and catchers reporting this weekend spring training getting underway and it won't be long now before we will be out in good year to get you ready for exhibition play the first broadcast February the 25th, when the Indians take on the Cincinnati Reds. Stay with us. We'll have some final thoughts as we continue with Tribe Talk after this timeout on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, everyone, our final segment from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. And again, next week's show will come to you from here as we won't be heading out until a little bit later prior to the first radio game of the spring, which will be February the 25th. But pitchers and catchers reporting tomorrow. So uh, we're going to start turning that page and looking much more ahead to 2017 after what was a remarkable 2016. And just some thoughts on that and the season to come. Certainly a a memory of 2016 will last a lifetime for so many baseball fans in this city. Fans of the Cleveland Indians, the team took it all the way to Game 7 of the World Series. So many great moments, the 14-game win streak, the 19-inning game that capped that win streak up in Toronto, Tyler Naquins inside the park home run that won a game against the Blue Jays, and then so many remarkable moments in the postseason. But now here we are in mid-February, and it's time to look ahead to 2017 with pitchers and catchers reporting, and the Indians, by so many accounts, nationally figure to be A team to beat in not only the American League Central, but the American League as a whole. Many picking them to get back to the World Series against their opponents from last year, the Chicago Cubs. We know how hard it is to get there, and we'll see if they can accomplish what they did a year ago. But certainly the front office has done what it has been able to do, putting together a very good team for this season And uh, those stories and chapters of the book will begin to be written as uh, we get into spring training, start to look at that roster, and then open the season on April the 3rd, when the Indians will begin the year on the road at Texas, first home game, April the 11th, right here at Progressive Field against the White Sox. So a lot to get to in the weeks to come. We hope you can be with us each week here on Tribe Talk. And of course, the beginning of our radio broadcast, February the 25th, when the Tribe takes on the Cincinnati Reds in the exhibition opener. So we'll join you one more time from Progressive Field next weekend. And until then, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you